gone, uh, that's been placed in there to kind of go along with the, with the messages. Hopefully to just kind of encourage you through the week to, to think about the, the different thoughts that we have shared. Um, several of you have shot emails saying, hey, thanks for it. I appreciate it. If it's a blessing to you, you can let me know. I'm not sure if I'm going to continue to do it, but if I hear a good uh, response, I might continue to do that. All right. So you all excited about today? All right, good, yes, all right. I like enthusiasm. So uh, inside uh, your program outline, we're going to follow along today as we, as we look at giving God our complete devotion, right? And my hunch is, I'm just going to answer for you, you guys don't need to answer this one, but my hunch is most of you are on your way down here to worship with brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, your heart is to want to give God complete devotion, right? I mean, that's it. I don't think anyone's like, I'm going to go to church today. I'm not going to give them any of my heart today, right? Most of us are thinking, hey, I'm going to give God all of my devotion today and in, in my life, and he's going to have 100% of my heart, right? I've not met too many followers of Christ that, that want to argue with me about those types of things, but nonetheless, maybe that's the case. Look with me in your outline. We're going to skip down Acts chapter 2. That's the verse uh, we've been looking at over the last several weeks as we've been uh, setting the context of a New Testament church. So let's look at one number one. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right. Remember, I always think of messages on Sunday is like a bus ride, right? We all get on the bus at the stop number one. We all ride together, and at the end of whatever that destination point is, we all exit the bus. So I need to make sure that you're all on the bus. No one jumped out the window, and no one uh, went out one of those emergency exits, all right? So number one, God wants to be first in your life. We all agree with that? All right. He wants your total devotion. And we'd all say, yep, absolutely true. That is why he has so much to talk about or to say about M-O-N-E-Y. Oh, why did I show up today, right? Is that the thought? Oh, I told you, honey, we should have stayed home and watched the pregame, right? All right. Well, so today we're going to talk about it, but here, here's the thing. Today isn't about money. It's about your devotion. And, and here's, here's what Jesus did. Jesus, the master teacher, understood that all of us, right, whether it's the first century or the 21st century, whether you've been a believer since last night, you invited Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior, or you've been walking with the Lord for 70, 80 years. All of us have seasons in our time, in our life, where our devotion, complete devotion to Him, begins to fade. And we get out of balance. And we begin to look at other things as our provider and not the Lord. And Jesus recognized this. So this isn't a 21st century thing. This is a human thing. And whether you're rich or whether you're poor, all of us wrestle with that. Who is your provider? Who has complete devotion of your heart? Right? And so Jesus, when he speaks about money, it's not about money. His father owns all the hills and all the cattle on the hill. It's not something that he's like, oh, how are we going to shake the wallets and get some cash? He owns everything. He wants your devotion. And Jesus recognized that the quickest way for all of us to understand where our devotion is, 
is to look at our money. Because our money is going to give us a big indication of where our treasure is, right? And so as we look at today, this isn't about a money thing. This is about a devotion thing. And this is, Pastor Dan, not only do I want you to have great families, great kids, great marriages, you know, great lives, but I want your devotion to be completely on Christ, all right? And, And so let's look at today and let's look at what Jesus has to say. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to just kind of plow through uh, that area. It's Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon he's, uh, he's ever given. It's a couple thousand years ago, but it's completely relevant to us today. Again, whether you're in the first century or whether you're in the 21st century as a follower of Christ, it still speaks into our life. And so here's what Jesus says. Matthew 6, verse 24. You all ready for this? All right, no one can serve two masters. Now, notice it doesn't say you might not be able to, okay? It says no one can. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one uh, and love the other, or he'll be devoted, and we'll come back and look at what that word means here in a few minutes. He'll be devoted to one, and he'll despise the other, all right? Now, I know the temptation when you look at the context of the verse, you go, I am so glad we don't have masters, right? Aren't you glad we don't have masters? I mean, maybe I have a boss, maybe I'm married, you know, however that works for you. I mean, you may have a master, whatever you want to, however you want to describe that. But, but we mostly say in the 21st century in America, we say, you know what, I'm glad we don't have masters. But then Jesus tells us what the master is. In verse 24, he goes on and he says, you cannot serve both, what is it? And there's your master. It's one or the other. You'll you'll either be devoted to one, right? You'll either love one, you'll despise one, but you cannot have a devoted heart to God and a love for money at the same time. It's two emotions that do not work together. It's like trying to be happy and sad at the same time. It's, it's one or the other, right? You can't be happy and sad at the same time. And so Jesus says, Jesus says you can't have two masters. And the master here that he's referring to is either money or it is God. Number two in your outline, who or what has total devotion, right? Who's first in your life? You will either place your trust in money, wealth, and the pursuit of, uh, of security or God. All right, and, and, and that's, you've you got to go, that's harsh. Well, that, that's what Jesus is going to get to today, right? That, that's exactly what he says. He's saying, you're either going to trust me completely as your provider, or you're going to trust in the economy of this world. You're either going to trust me to provide for your needs, or you're going to trust your vocation or your career or your profession for it. But it's not going to be both, because you can't. You cannot have both of them going on in your life. It's one or the other. Number three, in your outline, there are two hang-ups when it comes to our finances. And here's a couple of them. Letter A in your outline is it's either going to be personal consumption, right? Right? That means every dollar comes in is mine for me, right? When you have kids... 
right? I remember when my kids were little and we'd give them allowances, right? We'd say, man, I'd give them a $5 bill for whatever their allowance is and it would burn a hole in their pocket, right? Meaning that they couldn't spend it quick enough, right? Dad, when are we going to go to the store? Dad, when are we going to go to the store? Dad, when are we going to go to the store, right? It was burning a hole in their pocket because in their mind, it was for them and they were going to consume it. Second one is personal hoarding or saving. Any savers in the house? Ah, nervous laughter across the room. Sure, right? Yeah, and, and you know, just to be honest with you, uh, what's interesting is the younger generation is a consumer mentality. The older and the greatest generation, the one who lived through depressions, or if you've lived in times and seasons in your life where you've gone without, you, you typically are a hoarder because you've lived through difficult times and you always live with a what if, right? What if I get sick? What if I lose the, my job? What if this happens? What if that happens? And so you're constantly living with the what if. And it's not, hey, I'm not here to throw you under the bus. I'm just here to you know, say that this is, this is why we all wrestle with this. This is why there are seasons in our life where this struggle is for all of us. Whether we're new in Christ or we've been walking with the Lord for a long time, whether we consider ourselves mature in the Lord or whether we're immature in the Lord, all of us wrestle with this in seasons in our life where we struggle with it. In your outline, both of these hang-ups, whether it be consumption or hoarding, both of them are self-centered. And the reason why is because it's me, right? It's meistic. It's all about me. It's the money I get, I consume. The money I get, I save. What for? Well, just in case I need it on a rainy day, right? So either way you look at it, it's really about self-centeredness and holding on to it. Again, remember, Jesus' point is, who are you going to trust to be your provider? Is it him or is it the system of this world? But it can't be both, right? It can't be both. And so when we get into the hang-ups, we either want to spend it or we want to save it. All right? And some of you are thinking, yeah, but saving's a whole lot better than spending, right? So you kind of ratchet up a little bit. Number four in your outline, both of these hang-ups are driven by greed. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And no one likes to admit to be greedy, Right? I mean, I've had lots of people say, you know, pray for my heart that God would soften it. I need more compassion. Right? Pray for my heart that, that, I, that I have more love for the world, for people who are far from God. You know, but I've never heard anyone say to me, hey man, pray for me. I'm just greedy, right? And, and no one hands out a business card like the, the company's motto is, we're going to squeeze you for every nickel we can get, all right? Do business with me. I'll put my foot on your throat and I'll choke you out, all right? No one does business like that, right? Your card says, we care. We're the best. You're, you matter to us, right? All that baloney. And then they fleece you, all right? Some of you just got a new company logo. <laughs> it's a guy in a chokehold, ah, like that. We're here to squeeze you. I serve you. <laughs> oh. We got number five. Number five. God doesn't just want to bail you out of your finances. He wants your total devotion, but his competition is your stuff. Right? Would you agree with that? Yes. Absolutely. Right? And, and here's the interesting thing about folks who are greedy, who live in one of the consumer or the saving mentality, 
that there'll be a season in all of our lives where financially we hit the skids. Would you agree with that? I mean, it doesn't matter how much you have. There's always a time where you get to one of those parts where you have to swallow hard financially because there's a hardship. And here's the interesting thing about all of us, right? All of us. We may not invite Jesus to be part of our finances, but when we hit the skids in hard times, guess who the first person we call in? Right? We don't call in the boat dealer, do we? We don't call in the person that we just got into some consumer debt with, right? Who do we call in? We hit our knees and say, honey, I don't know what we're going to do, but let's start praying right now. Oh, God, right? And you invite him in. And see, here's the thing that as a pastor that I want you to do. I don't want you to invite him in when you have trouble. I want you to invite him in before you have trouble. Right? I don't want you to invite Jesus into your marriage when your marriage is one step away and we both both have an attorney. I want you to invite him in before we get to an attorney. Right? You feel me? Right? So we want to make sure that we're including him in. And what's interesting about, again, about all of us, when our heart drifts, when our heart drifts, is is the moment that we hit the hard times. It's, oh, Lord, sell the house, open up a door, give us a house to rent, I need a room to stay in, whatever it is, we instantly start praying for God to come through. And here's the deal. God isn't interested in bailing you out financially. He's interested in the devotion of your heart. See, we want to pray the emergency prayer, but he's interested in your heart. Not, not, not just giving you what you need in order to help you out. And he recognizes that your stuff that you have is, is the stumbling block for all of us, whether it's the first century or whether it's the 21st century. Whether you've been walking with the Lord for a day or whether you've been walking with the Lord for 50, 60 years. The struggle that we all have is our stuff gets in the way of our complete devotion. Because we look to it as our provider, not Christ. And he wants sole authority, or we say lordship, of your heart. He wants lordship of your heart. Number uh, six, giving is not a financial decision. It's a decision whether or not to allow God to have total devotion of your life. And here's what Jesus says. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your, what will it be, church? Will be also. If you sit here today, just as we talked about spiritual, spiritual maturity a couple weeks ago. Head, heart, hands, right? Head, knowledge, heart, uh, the transformation of the Spirit of God, the sanctification of the Spirit of God. Hands is it translating into being doers of the Word of God. So Jesus says this, if you want to know whether he has complete devotion of your heart, the two areas that you can look at, your calendar, your priority to worship and serve him, and the second area is your checkbook. That will determine who has devotion of your heart. And Jesus just simply says, because where your heart is, that's where your treasure is, that's where your priorities are. And where your heart is, is going to reveal who has that devotion that you have in your life. 
does he have complete devotion or not? Well, how do I know? Well, simply look at your schedule and look at your finances. Is he, is he at the top of the list? Number seven in your outline. What Jesus taught is not about money. It's about your devotion. And the chief competitor is the, uh, 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 for your heart is your devotion to money. Right? I, I, again, I mean, unless you're like a Satanist, most of us don't wake up like on Sunday and kind of go, <clears throat> do I want to worship the Lord or am I going to sacrifice animals to Satan? Right? Anybody struggle with that today? No. Of course not. Right? And I don't know too many, too many of those folks who, who do that, even who may not show up on Sunday morning, right? Which is a good thing. <laughs> Maybe I'm hanging out with the wrong crowd. I don't know. <clears throat> but, but, but none of us wrestle with that. But we do wrestle with who has devotion of our heart. Who has who has our heart completely and fully in our life. So there are three action steps to take in breaking uh, greed. We've talked about this many times before when we've gone over this. And just a quick little summary. And so you're ready. Give the first uh, 10% to God. He gets the first fruit, right? The reason why we worship on the first day and the reason why we give him the first is to remember the reason that we worship him. He is first in our life. You know the reason why you say grace? It's not so God blesses the food and you don't get food poisoning. It's you are to say grace to remind yourself and your family who provides it. And so each time you have a meal and you say grace, it isn't rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, let's eat it, right? I mean, that may be the way it works, but, but, but the idea is that we're praying because we're pausing and we're thanking God that he is the provider of all things. And so when we begin to give first to him, it serves as a habit and as a reminder in our life that he's first, right? The second is you save 10%. So those of you who are hoarders, there's your, there's your answer, right? You, you give 10, you save 10, and you live on 80%. And that's, you know, different guys in the financial world and the Christian world have said that, you know, that's a good breakdown of doing it. If you can't get there yet, hey, maybe you've got to step into it, right? You work your way into to living on that kind of a spread. But those, those are helpful to, to look at. In uh, Proverbs, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruit of your crops, then your barns will be filled and overflowing. Right? First Corinthians, Paul writes, he says, On the first day of, of every, every week, each of you should set aside of money, keeping with his income, saving it up, so that we, when I get there, I won't have to take an offering. Right? It's a habit in which we do. Right? Again, it isn't about the M-O-N-E-Y. It's about the devotion in your heart. And it serves as a reminder, God, you have first in my life. You have first, you're the provider, you're the giver of all things, and I, you have first in my life, right? And so that's the, that's the it's, it's a heart issue. It isn't a financial issue uh, per se. Got that okay? Yeah. Number nine, <clears throat> Financial independence is living independently of serving your money. Now, that's a hard one for some of us to kind of swallow. And yet, if you've ever listened to people who they serve their money, 
they're constantly worried about stock market up, stock market down, right? Dividends dividing, dividends not dividing. How much is this? How much is that? They're constantly consumed with that. And the reason why is because they're serving their money. Their money isn't serving them. They're serving their money. And so whenever there's a change in the economy, they freak out. Watch the news, right? And it's up and it's down, and you get all these people having all these different emotions. And, and here's the thing, and listen, I'm 51. I'm saving for retirement. I mean, I'm not saying don't save, just, you know, I'm not saying that. You need to be smart and a wise steward of the money you've given. But at the end of the day, God is my provider. I believed it when the church was tiny. Listen, there, there are weeks where our church gives more in a week than our annual budget was when I started. All right? I believed God was the provider then, and guess what? I believe He's the provider today. Right? And, and so, that, whether, the, whether the stock market's up, there's a collapse, there isn't. Hey, God says, Dan, I'm going to provide for you. And I believe that. And I'm just going to roll with it, and that's how I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to trust Him. All right, back to Jesus. Ready? Matthew chapter 24, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted, circle the word devoted, to one, and he will despise the other. All right? The word devoted in your outline means this. The servant's confidence, or the servant's confident devotion to either the master or the money okay now that's important to understand in the context of what jesus is speaking about because it's going to help you to frame why it is that you lay at night and you worry about your finances because your confidence is not in the lord but it's in your money right that that's where you look at for your confidence is in, in, your, in the wealth, your 401k, your retirement, your checking, your, so, uh, your, your, the business that you're in, and all that kind of stuff. Because that's where your confidence is in. Okay, So he says this, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, uh, or no one can serve both God and money. Verse 25, what's the first word? And whenever the word therefore is in the Bible, we always ask, what's it there for, Right? So what's it there for? So he's going to give us a comparison of a person who is confident in God and a person who is confident in their worldly wealth. All right? So he says, no one can serve both God and money, verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about life, what you will eat or, or, or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes, okay? Now he's going to give you an example of the person, or in this case, the birds in the, in the field, the flowers, th that they are putting their trust in God to provide. Their confidence is in God's provision, right? And so he gives us the example in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow and reap and store away in barns, and yet who feeds them? Come on, church, who feeds them? Your heavenly Father feeds them, right? The verse goes on. 
Are you not much more valuable than they? You're made in the image of God, right? Sure you are. Verse 27, he goes on, he says, uh, Who you, by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Translation, if you've ever met a person that's 105 and they stick a microphone in front of them and they say, how did you live to be 105? And they said, I worried every day that I was going to die. You ever? No, of course not, right? I mean, you hear someone, I drink whiskey and smoke cigars all the time. That's how I live. You're like, whoa, let's get him off the stage, right? We don't want that guy. (laughs) But we can't worry and add any time to our life, right? Would you agree with that? So so our, 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 our life, our hours, our days, and so forth are counted. And so in verse 28, and he says, and why, uh, and why do you worry about your clothes? Pause. Just let that just kind of enter into our cranium. Got it? And then look at the comparison he gives. See how the lilies of the field grow? Do they labor or spin? Right? You ever look in a meadow in the spring when the wildflowers start growing? Right? You ever ever just stop and just kind of look back and go, man, God, you are so good. Right? I mean, no one even planted them suckers there, and they grew, right? And they're so beautiful, and it's just, it's peaceful. It's, it's just, there's something about it, right? And he says, look, look at the fields. I mean, is the lily going, oh, no, what are we going to do? Help, 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 right? It doesn't fit. It's too tight. Does this make me look taller? Uh, let's just go home. Do they, do they, uh, uh, they do not labor or spend, verse 29, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, who was the first on the GQ magazine, he was the one that invented what not to wear before it was a cool show on TV, right? Even Solomon in all of his splendor was, uh, was not dressed like one of these. Verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass grass of the field, which is here today and and tomorrow and thrown into the fire. In other words, hey, there's a season that they're going to live and a season they're going to die. Will he not much more clothe you? And then here's the backhanded compliment from Jesus, right? This is his sense of humor. He always had a way of creating a tension in your life and then kind of shaking you by the ears and getting you to wake up. And here's what he says. You have little faith. You have little faith. Right? Because it's going to reveal to you who your confidence is in. If you sit around and you worry about what you're going to eat and how much PG&E is and whether the kids have college and who's going to pay for their braces and you, you sit and you just stress out about all that stuff. If you walk into your walk-in closet that's almost as big as this room and the, and the hangers are so tight that you can't even separate them, right? <clears throat> and, and you look in there and you say, Honey, I don't know what I'm going to wear, <laughs> right? Come on, right? So if you walk in there and that's, and that's where you're at, here's what Jesus says. Where's your confidence at? Who has your devotion? Your devotion is 
in the stuff, not in him. Right? And see, this, this is why when Jesus taught, this isn't about like, you know, folks that are new believers or old believers. I mean, this is for all of us. And isn't it true, isn't it true, that even those of, and I think, you know, I'm fairly mature in, in the Lord, not, maybe not as a man, but anyway, that's a whole different issue. <clears throat> but but even, even there are seasons in Pastor Dan's life where my heart begins to kind of drift, right? And all of a sudden I start looking at the things of the world and the values of the world, right? All of us, all of us are tempted. All of us are tempted in our life where all of a sudden we start putting all of our trust and our confidence in the things of this world. And Jesus just calls us back and says, listen, if you sit and you worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, if you worry about all those things, do you not recognize the birds that God feeds? Do you not look at the meadows of, in springtime where you've got these beautiful wildflowers that God's provided for? Are you not much more valuable than they? Does he not care for you more? You're made in the image of him. And yet, we live with such little faith in our life. Verse 31. Do not worry. Right? So we have... You have little faith, and then he starts right up in the next verse, and he says, Do not worry, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall I wear? And then verse 32, For the pagans, and praise God, none of us are pagans. I'll tell you what a pagan is in a minute. <clears throat> For the pagans run after these things. After what things? After the things of what to wear, what to eat, where they're going to live, how much the braces are. No, I got college, my kid wants to go to college, and the car's sounding like it's falling apart, and I'm just totally stressed out, right? The pagans run after those things. Now, here's the interesting thing about pagans, which is number 10 in your outline. The pagans, they didn't believe that God was interested in their daily affairs. Okay, now let's just hit the pause. When I talk about spiritual growth here, we talk about head, right? Talk about heart, the sanctification of the Spirit of God transforming us into the image of Christ that ultimately translates in our hands in the actions in which we do. Are we following so far? When Jesus called Peter and Andrew, the first disciples, he said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Right? There was, a, there was an invitation to come and follow the Lordship of Christ. There was the sanctification, I will make you into the image. And the job description is you'll be fishers of men. Now here's the struggle that all of us have when it comes to this idea of being like a pagan. We believe Jesus is the great provider. Amen to that, right? It's here, but it may not necessarily be here. And it is not going to be revealed in our hands. You following? So you have the knowledge that Jesus is the provider of all things. But it has not transformed into a conviction in your heart. And therefore, it's not going to reveal itself in your hands in what you do. So it is stopped right there at head knowledge. And when you live like that, you believe that if you die, you go to heaven. And if grandma dies and if so-and-so dies and they had a personal relationship with Jesus, we can all celebrate, right? We can have a service, we go in the back and eat some chicken, tell great stories, and it will all be wonderful. But here's the problem. 
when it comes to daily affairs, we don't believe he's interested in our daily affairs. We just believe he's interested in heaven and hell, but not our daily affairs. So it's in our head, but it has not translated into our hearts. And so our confidence is in the world, and it's not in Christ being the provider. Are we following so far? Okay. Verse 32. You got number 10 down, right? And your heavenly Father, what's the word? Knows that you need them, right? So he says in in verse 32, he says, for the pagans run after these things. And then he kind of comes back just to emphasize, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. You know, you don't, you, don't, you don't ask for something, you know, my kid wants to go to college, Lord, how in the world am I going to pay? You, I mean, God in heaven isn't going, oh no, what are we going to do? Pastor Dan's kid wants to go to college. Angels, come here, we've got to have a huddle. I mean, right? I mean, he doesn't do that. He knows our needs before we even ask, right? He knows what, he's, he knows what they are. And Jesus is just simply saying, what if we actually lived as if our Father knew our needs. The pagans think God isn't interested in our daily needs. What if we actually live that way? Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom. In other words, Jesus is saying, there's a different way of living. The vast majority of even Christ followers seek the world's first. And Jesus is saying, and that's why your confidence is in the world, and that's why you lay in bed at night worrying about the job, about finances, about the boss saying, oh, business isn't good, the economy's going down, they're laying off a bunch of people, you know, all this stuff. And you lay at night in bed worrying about it because you aren't seeking first his kingdom. Your confidence is in the world. And so he says, here's a different way of living. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then what's the promise when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? And all these things, all what things? All the things that the pagans run around for. House, food, clothes, money, job. All those things. He says he will give them to you as well. Verse 34. Comes back. Circles back around. Therefore... Do not worry about tomorrow. Right? For tomorrow will worry about itself. Any amens to that? Right? And each day has enough trouble of its own. Right? Absolutely it does. Right? So 11. In your outline. Who or what has total devotion of your life? Now don't, I know the church answer, right? I've been doing this for a while now. Jesus does. Let me just ask you. If you looked at your schedule, is he a priority in your life? And if you looked at your finances, does that reveal it? You don't need to convince me. I'm a flawed human being. Jesus is asking you for your devotion. Your complete devotion. And when we place him first in our life, the promises that he will supply the needs that we have. And again, I just come back to this. Whether you accepted Christ last night 
or whether you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years, whether you're a pastor or you're new at this in your, in your spiritual journey. All of us have seasons in our life where our devotion shifts and we need to be reminded who needs to be first in our life. Right? And so here's what I want to do. We just do this usually uh, once a year. So this is, you know, this time only, right? Inside your, and again, folks, this isn't, financially we're doing completely fine. This isn't about, you know, raising money and all that stuff. God's provided for us. We're good, all right? But, but this is a devotion thing. This is about who has your devotion. So inside you, uh, your program, you have the 90-day tithe challenge. And this is for folks who do not give. If you do not tithe 10% of your income, this is a challenge for you. All right? And so on the front of it, just gives you a little bit. You can register online. Uh, on the back of the communication card, there's a box there that uh, says uh, on the top or somewhere in there, it says uh, tithe challenge. I got an old card here from my, my desk. But in there it says the tithe challenge. So if you do not tithe, this is a challenge to you. If you tithe, you know, good, good for you. God bless you. Right? And then on the back side is ways to give. All right, one of the new things that we're learning with folks, no one carries checks anymore, right? No one carries that kind of stuff. You have debit cards for most of the time. So you can set up, some of you have asked about, hey, can we set up our, the church as a payee? Uh, and you can give, you know, where the bank actually mails the check to the church. You can also do it on PayPal. So anyway, there are some ways of doing that. But here's what I want to challenge those of you who don't on the tithe challenge. For 90 days... Trust God. If at any point in the 90 days you don't feel like you can do it, you make a phone call to me and there'll be two people who will know. Me and the person who cuts the checks. All right? And we will give back to you everything that you gave during that 90-day tithe challenge. And here's why I say that. I am convinced that God is faithful. I am convinced God is faithful. And, and I just want to give you a little push to trust Him. And if at any point in the 90 days that you just feel like, hey, God wasn't faithful to me, you call me and say, hey, Pastor Dan, it didn't work. Can I get a refund? You'll get a refund the next week. Okay? But test Him. That's what the Scripture says. Test me to see that I'm not faithful. Okay? And again, folks, this isn't about money for the church. Okay? This is, about, this is about Pastor Dan loving you and wanting you to have, have Christ. Your main focus in your life is Christ and he has your whole heart. That's really what it's about. So if you're interested, you could fill it out, check the, uh, the box on the back of the communication card. We'll send you uh, an email information letting you know. Let's pray. Lord, as we sit here today, I am convinced that every single one of us who walked into this room wants you to have complete devotion of our heart. And Father, I pray that your spirit will speak to us. Lord, that you will reveal to us the adjustments that we need to make in our life. That you will be first, that we will seek you and your righteousness above everything else. And Father, I pray that your spirit will speak into each of our lives and that, Lord, that we will have the, the, the boldness, the faithfulness 
the obedience to make the changes that we need to make in our life. And Father, we're just so blessed as we sit here today to know that you are the provider of all things. That you have, ama- you have made amazing promises through your scripture. That as we seek you, you are the great provider. Not our work, not our 401k, not our retirement, not the government. That you are the provider. And you are faithful and you are a good, good father. And Lord, we're just grateful for that. And Father, as you stretch us spiritually, Lord, we want to be more like Christ in every area of our life. We want to walk in obedience and we give you all the praise and all the glory with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ as Lord and Savior. And I want to give you that opportunity. We just do a little ABC. A is admit that we've made mistakes, that we're all sinners, and we've missed the mark. B is to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died on a cross, that he rose again. And C is to confess him to be your Lord and Savior. And if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, as I say this prayer, just silently repeat after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, today, I admit that I've made mistakes, that I'm a sinner, that I've missed the mark. And I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died on a cross and he rose again. And today I confess him to be my Lord, my Savior, the ruler of my life. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me a new creation. Lord, give me the power to grow in your likeness. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen.